Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast, episode number 17. I'm your host, Jennifer Jelliff Russell. In today's show, I interview roller derby player Gino Wagner, who also hosts the most listened to roller derby podcast in the world, Power Through the Fourth Whistle. We talk about how Gina discovered roller derby, what challenges she's had to overcome in order to become a better player, and what she means when she talks about punching the shark. It's fun. Just trust me. In my personal update, I'll talk a little about self-care, and I'll also touch on how I'm still learning to treat my writing as a business, and that I'm working on being better at saying no to things. Okay, on to my personal update. Recently, in episode 15, I talked about how I was still learning to say no to gigs that were low in pay, but high in time suck. This last week, I realized that I also have to protect my author business by learning to say no, though this instance, it's a little bit different. So after deciding to republish a book of scary short stories for middle grade kids, I reached out to a cover artist that I had never used before to ask about his experience in creating book covers for that particular age group. He offered to create like a draft cover and then said he'd get it back to me within like four to six days. I probably should have seen the fact that he didn't actually answer my question (laughs) as a red flag, but instead I provided him with the info he needed so he could go ahead and like go off and create the cover and I left him to it. Two weeks later, not four to six days, but two weeks later, he emailed me to tell me that he would be sending me the draft the next day. Of course, the next day, no cover arrived in my inbox. So I gave him one more day and then realized that if this was what it was like to even get a draft from him, what would it be like to actually ask for, you know, any kind of actual revisions to a cover he makes? I'd really held off telling him that I was no longer interested because I didn't really want to hurt his feelings, which sounds kind is silly, right? I'm running a business, but I'm afraid of hurting somebody's feelings, telling them that this isn't going to work out. Here's the thing. Like, I, I also know that like times are hard right now for everyone. And I really wanted to also be able to provide paid work for an independent ebook designer. But again, this is a business. If our roles were reversed and he had asked me to write him, you know, a resume and I was more than two weeks late on delivery of that resume, then I would fully expect to be fired from the role. Now, okay, granted, no money was ever exchanged for this ebook cover draft, so I completely understand him putting it on the back burner in favor of working on paying gigs. Totally makes sense. However, I feel like it's important to have better communication with your potential customer to let them know about an updated timeline or if things change, just kind of what's going on with the project. Honestly, I should have just simply pushed for him to like answer my initial question about whether he had experience in creating ebook covers for my particular, you know, target market of middle grade readers. So now I plan to reach out to a graphic designer that I've hired actually for a previous ebook cover since I know the quality of her work and I know that she delivers her work within the timeline that she sets. But like the main point that I'm learning here is that I need to start treating my writing as an author business and not just as a creative pursuit, right? And if it's a business that I really need to keep my communications for it clear rather than being wishy-washy about what I want, especially when I hire external contractors for things like ebook covers or book formatting or editing services. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, having to be unfriendly, but it does mean that I should speak up when I don't like something or ask clarifying questions to ensure that I'm on the same page with my contractor. So just really trying to be more businesslike. Another thing that I'm working on being better at this week is self-care. 
As I record this, we're just coming off of Labor Day weekend. Before, when I worked for an employer in a traditional job, I would have taken the three-day weekend to like read, relax, and just kind of generally reboot before going back to work. But now that I work for myself, I seem to be working more and don't really take time off. Um, I, I have gotten better. Okay, so I've gotten better about not working in the evenings and just like letting myself watch TV or read or like play video games. So that's been really nice in the evenings, but I'm still working full days on most weekends as well as, you know, obviously through the week. And now before, you know, throughout the summer, I've been using the excuse of going out and working in the garden to kind of like step away from computer work and kind of take a break. But now the garden is just about done for the year and I'm not even taking breaks during the day to just like go outside and, you know, work on that. So at the moment, I am working on building time into my schedule to actually, you know, just take breaks to make sure that I'm actually stepping away, but not just filling those breaks with other tasks like laundry or dishes or cleaning. So here's my plan. (laughs) I'm going to schedule in the actual fun or relaxing things, which I know does not sound like fun, but that's what works for me. So I'm going to schedule in things that will actually give me that mental break that I need in the day. One of the things that I'm adding in to my schedule every day for just 10 minutes is meditating. And I used to meditate every morning. I had it in my calendar and now I just kind of ignore that calendar reminder when it pops up. So not great. So I'm going to change the scheduling of it. So I stop ignoring the reminder, put it maybe a little bit later in the day so it's actually a break that I look forward to from work, start doing that again. I also haven't been running, so I'm going to try to get back into doing that a couple of times a week, which it just makes me feel better anyway, going for a run. And kind of randomly, and I've mentioned this on the show um, once before, but I'm going to try to get into wood burning again random, right? Um, I have everything for it. You know, I have like the little wood burning kit and everything. I've just never used it. And I was kind of waiting to get a book or guide on how to do it instead of just being like, I'm going to try this, right? But I should be taking my own advice that my go find out advice and just trying it. However, I did find a book, yay, from my local library. And I'm going to check that out and see if that will help me kind of dive in and get started. We'll kind of see how that goes. Um, I'm super excited to be doing something creative, honestly, that isn't writing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love writing and I love, you know, writing things for this podcast and, you know, creating all the social media and stuff for it. And that's definitely creative in and of itself. But at the moment, I'm doing a lot of writing for work. So it would be nice to do something artistic that will be just for funsies, right? Um, But okay, so enough about me. What are you ladies doing to build time for yourself? Taking time to rejuvenate, it's so important, especially right now as parents and teachers really grapple with virtual learning or, you know, a mix of in-school and at-home learning or whatever it is that you and your family are dealing with right now. I really hope that you're able to find a few moments each day to take time for yourself and to kind of step away and find those few moments of zen in whatever that might be. And hey, maybe after listening to today's interview with Gina Wagner, the thing that you do for yourself will be roller derby. You never know. All right, let's get to the interview with Gina. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Gina Wagner, better known to the roller derby community as Jackie Bauer. Gina has been playing roller derby for 10 years, pushing through both physical and mental hurdles to be voted the 2017 Division I MVP of the biggest roller derby tournament in Michigan. She also hosts Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast, which is now the most listened to roller derby podcast in the world. Welcome to the show, Gina. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm super stoked. We are definitely going to talk about roller derby, but I'm kind of wondering, what did you do like career-wise or hobby-wise before getting into roller derby? Well, my husband and I actually have a store on Amazon. 
We sell t-shirts uh superheroes harry potter like what? licensed apparel it's very fun and very cute and that's what we've been doing for the last like 10 years or so and i also was a film critic for a while oh that's cool <laughs> yeah just fun stuff so you were you were selling things in your store on amazon which is awesome and you were also a film critic how did you actually even learn about roller derby and what was your first impression of the sport i found out about roller derby in the cliche way, which is by watching the movie Whip It. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't know that there was a sport you could play on roller skates. And I had been roller skating recreationally around my neighborhood for about a year before I found out there was a sport. And I thought, this could be really fun to do. <laughs> That's awesome. And so were you roller skating or were you rollerblading recreationally before? I rollerbladed for a long while, and then mm. I didn't realize you could do this, but I wore the wheels down to points. Like, they were oh my very gosh. sharp. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's probably not good. And so I got some roller skates, and then I apparently did the same thing to them. And I didn't know that until I showed up my first day, and uh, the team told me, you can't wear these. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what was that process, like, signing up to play roller derby? Like, how does that work? You literally just Google in the area you live in and ask them what the requirements are and when they're having a recruiting session. Some teams will allow people to join year round and some will only do it certain times of year. And they'll have a special event where they're like, hey, everybody come out. This is where you can learn about joining the team. And we'll tell you how we're going to get you started on training and basic skills. So it's pretty simple, sounds like, to, to sign up. Oh, absolutely. Like the hardest part is just having the courage to go for it because it seems like an out-of-the-box thing to do. Right, exactly. So I guess that's kind of my next question. So you show up for your first roller derby practice and they're like, hey, you can't wear those skates, right? Um, and, then, and then kind of what? What happened after that? The most wonderful thing, one of the skaters on the team said, here, where are my skates? Aww. She took them off of her feet and put them on mine and they fit and they were really great. And I think that was one of the things that actually helped me stay because when you're trying to do something brave, if you get like something like that happen where you're like, well, you don't have skates now, you might not come back. And that helped me come back. That gave me the courage to to stick around. And once I did all the drills, I was like, you know what? Other than the fact that I've never learned how to stop on roller skates, mm -hmm. I feel like I can figure a lot of this stuff out. <laughs> That's awesome. And so what were they kind of easy on you on your first practice? Um, I think so. They were kind. <laughs> I mean, she gave you the roller skates off her feet, so that's pretty kind. Yeah, they're very welcoming. So you sign up for roller derby, and then did you tell your non-roller derby friends and then your family about getting into it? And if so, what was their reaction to you telling them that you were signing up for roller derby? My husband was skeptical. I'm not sure he thought I had it in me. And he also thought it was a little weird. So he was just kind of a skeptic for a while. And my parents were the funniest because they said no. Oh. And I said, what do you mean no? And they're like, no, you're not doing that. And I said, um, I'm in my mid-20s and married <laughs> and don't live with you. You can't tell me no. I'm sorry. That's not how it works anymore. <laughs> so they were concerned for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They thought that I would just um, get hurt right away and be mm. done. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say, like, that would be my, my initial thought, too, would be, oh, my gosh, this sounds like a sport where I'm going to get hurt. 
So what would you tell somebody who is concerned about getting hurt playing roller derby? I would say I get hurt all the time walking into like a countertop or something. <laughs> like, right? Get, like, if you're afraid of getting hurt in life, then there's a lot of things you won't do. So I would just say that if you train yourself appropriately and really prepare your muscle groups and keep your body balanced, there's a lot you can do to prevent injury. That's true. So I, I do have to ask you, what's up with the nickname thing in roller derby kind of in general? And why do they call you Jackie Bauer? I don't know why derby names started, to be honest. It just seems to be a quirk of the sport because it kind of started out as kind of a sensational, almost wrestling type thing where mm -hmm. it was a little bit of sports fiction going on. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like you were creating characters and I would say that the benefit of having a roller derby name is when you're not sure about your level of confidence and you take on a persona in your head that feels a lot more confident, then maybe that helps you get there. But I think it's just a crutch. I think it's like training wheels because once you find your confidence, you don't need to lose it again. You don't have to. And so I, I don't think the derby names are completely necessary anymore. It's just a little side bonus that makes our sport a little bit more colorful, mm. but it's just a thing. Yeah. Do you feel like you're, <laughs> that you take on a different persona when you're playing than when you are off the track? I would agree with that because uh, Gina Wagner can still have a lot of self-doubts about things, mm. but everyone has an idea who has played with me in their head of who Jackie Bauer is. And I find myself living up to that quite a bit when I'm on the track. And then I try to take that home into real life a little bit more and kind of take the lessons I've learned from roller derby to come into real life and be like, you know what? I really can do things. So the what would Jackie Bauer do kind of thing? Is that what you find yourself asking yourself when you have to go into a difficult situation as Gina Wagner? Yeah, because Jackie Bauer would never give up or quit. Mm. <laughs> nice. And so where where did the Jackie Bauer nickname for you come from? It originally came from the TV show 24 mm -hmm. uh, from Jack Bauer, which is really funny now because I started Derby during the last season of that show. And so... It, it's a really old reference now right. in, in retrospect because I've been playing for a decade. <laughs> Is there a specific way that you earned that or they were just like, how about this? You pick it out. Mm. In oh, the okay. beginning when I started, actually, you had to go look up on a website to try and make sure no one else had that name. Oh, wow. They didn't want anyone to have the same names. But there's so many people involved in the sport now. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to be creative. So they've given up on the idea that we can all have a very unique name. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So what was your first roller derby tournament like? Was it kind of like a holy shit moment or yes, let's do this moment? Well, just having a regular game day and a tournament day are so different mm -hmm. because if you just have one game, it's like all day you get psyched and ready for this one game. Mm -hmm. And then you do the game and then you're like, "Woo, go to the after party. It's great. But with a tournament, it is such a different animal because it's multiple games. And my first tournament was three games in one day, oh which gosh. is kind of rare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we opened the place up and closed the place down. <laughs> Wow. It was also the first time I was playing with the A team in my league. Mm. So it was a, a new roster to me. I hadn't really played with these people. I wasn't sure about my place on the team. And I was informed that the new people wouldn't make all the rosters either, that they might be changing them throughout the day. Mm. And I was so surprised when I got to play in all three games. Wow. And then we were in the final game. And this is the funniest part of the day. 
halfway through the first half, like someone kind of elbowed me up high and I lost a contact lens oh, no. on the track somewhere. And I kept trying to convince the bench, I, I can play with one eye, it would be <laughs> fine. And they were like, no, you're not playing anymore. Stop it. And, and luckily we did win. I was very excited to be part of this new team at a tournament for the first time and win the thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Was there any kind of fear when you did your first game then? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like that moment of truth going to your first game. Like you've been training, Mm -hmm. but can you actually handle it on game day? Especially for me, I didn't have a sports background growing up, so I didn't get to practice being nervous before a game and then performing in a game. The closest thing I had was I grew up doing theater. And you know exactly what you're supposed to do in theater. Yeah, that's that's what I grew up doing too is theater and like competitive acting. And I can't imagine going from that to roller derby. Yeah, in in acting, there is some improvisation when things go wrong. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you have a script. Right. (laughs) Sports different. Yeah. 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 Was there anything that you did to kind of get through that fear for playing that first game? I had a mentor who started with me in my first league. And I asked her if she had any advice for me before the game. And she just told me, skate fast and low Hmm. and only worry about that. Because I was worried about the fact that I didn't really have all the rules memorized. And I really wasn't sure what to do in certain circumstances yet. And I was supposed to go out there and score points. And she told me, just skate fast and low and don't worry about anything else. And I was so surprised. I went out in the very first jam and got lead, which is how you control the point scoring. And mm. I, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> nice. What, what would you say has been your biggest challenge in roller derby so far? It's completely been the mental game side of mm-hmm. things that we've been talking about because I'm really good at planning for things that I have control over, like mm-hmm. my physical training and what I put into my body. All that, I feel like I can handle that. And I got better at that over the years. And I keep learning more things that work well for me. It's the mental game that's always the tough part because I got to a certain point about five or six years in where I realized I wasn't progressing anymore. Mm. And the problem I was still having was still game day situations. Sometimes I would just choke up or freeze and just not have the confidence to do the things I wanted to do. Mm. And that was just kind of a thing I had to overcome. And the first time I did it, it was kind of this moment where everything was going wrong in the game. I was kind of getting mad at the whole thing and I just decided, forget all this. Like the other team has to deal with me. I don't care about them anymore. They have to worry about me. I'm done with this. And I just went out and I just tore it up and I had an amazing game. And then from then on, I tried to channel that. And once I had that, I felt like I was... I was on my game. I was on my game from then on. And the only situations that still gave me trouble were really close, important games. Mm, Gotcha. And I actually ended up doing a whole episode about this on my podcast. And uh, I came up with a term for it with the help of my husband, who's my coach. And he said, when you are like having your downward spiral moment and you're getting kind of quiet and these negative thoughts are coming into your head where you're worried, maybe I can't do it this time. It's like the sharks are circling you and you're just out in the water adrift and no one knows how to reach you or help you. And so we came up with a term for it, which is punch that shark. So (laughs) I have to think about, I have to punch that shark. I have to punch that shark right in the nose. And then I get back out there and I do it. And I just, I confront it and just like, no, this is not happening. And then I just go out there and crush it. (laughs) Nice. 
Nice. And do you feel like that has helped you now to be like, okay, I'm in that spot. I need to punch the shark. Oh, tremendously. Like that was the very last building block I needed of, of mental game. Like I had everything stacked up and I just needed that last piece. And ever since I found that piece, I feel literally at peace when I play. I feel almost relaxed at times because I'm not worried about things like I used to be. I just play and I enjoy it when I play and I compete real hard and I have fun while I do it. <laughs> nice. So now you have not just played in roller derby, but you've also been a team captain as well as a team trainer. Can you tell us a little bit about what those roles entailed? Well, I would say that I was voted as a team captain too early. I thought that I knew everything and I learned I did not know everything. I thought I was really good with people and I learned I had a lot to learn about that too. I had just joined a new team and uh, they thought I had a little bit more knowledge and thought this would be a good change, but I didn't know them well enough yet to be a good leader for them. And so that was a really tough season for me. And what a team captain at the bare bones of it does is the team captain, the person who has a C on their arm, they are allowed to go talk to the refs about things during the game. But what it usually means on a team is you are a leader. You are someone people can talk to about their problems. You help sort things out. You help get information to the right people. And you are there for everybody. And I had a lot to learn about that. I hope I get another chance to do it someday. But in the meantime, I'm just happy for the lessons I learned from the experience going forward. And it was a couple of years later when I was asked to be a team trainer. And this came down literally because the coach of that team said, well, your husband's the assistant coach. I'd like you to be a captain, but you can't be a captain because your husband's a coach. Uh -huh. and I said, oh, okay. He said, but I do <laughs> want you involved in this. So I made a new position for you that is team trainer. And I said, okay, what's that? And because I was so involved with physical training, he wanted me to help everyone with off skates workouts. And oh, okay. we worked out off skates before every practice that year. People did not love it because they <laughs> wanted to be on their skates. Right. But the thing I'm most proud of from that season is I feel like that was the season more than any other where we had the fewest amount of injuries. And I like huh. to give myself a little pat on the back for that, for the different yeah. things we worked on. <laughs> I mean, that's a big deal. You know, like I, I do running and you also work out outside of running to get better at running and to avoid injuries. So that makes total sense that training and working out outside of being on your skates would actually prevent injuries on the track. Absolutely. Particularly in the sport of roller derby, we only skate one direction. So you can become imbalanced really easily. So it's good to work on getting the other side involved. Right. Also, you become really quad dominant in your legs. So it's very good to work on your hamstrings and back of your leg area because you need that to be evened out, especially as there's a lot more backward skating in roller derby now than there was when really? I started. Oh. oh, yeah. It's super fun. Was there like a rule change that allowed it more of it? Or is it just like a popularity thing? Like, oh, we can skate backwards? Or I think it was honestly skill related. I don't think anyone uh -huh. had the confidence to do it at first. Mm -hmm. And then a few people who were really good skaters just started turning around. And the greatest benefit is you can look directly at the person you are trying to prevent from scoring right. points. <laughs> you know awesome. where they are at all times. They're not hiding from you. <laughs> right. But you have to be a very good skater to be agile enough and fast enough to keep up with things and make adjustments and be strong for everybody. <laughs> mm. Did that become part of your training was, all right, we're going to skate backwards. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, everyone's much better at skating backwards now. 
And it became part of the basic skills test later on as it became a really important part of our sport. Mm, Gotcha. Do you feel like competing in roller derby has positively impacted your life and career outside the track? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I wouldn't be the person I am today without, I I guess, my my alternate personality, Jackie Bauer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I just gained so much more confidence in what I'm capable of doing and also just in myself as I am. Uh, I I used to kind of cover myself up a lot with clothes, being kind of self-conscious of my arms or my legs. But roller derby helped me really own my body and just love it for what it is and what it can do. And roller derby also has a culture of really normalizing tattoos. There are so many athletes that have tattoos in roller derby. Mm -hmm. And I eventually got some, some tattoos on my shoulders and on my thighs. And now I am in tank tops and shorts all summer long. And I, I used to just be like, oh, don't look at my legs. And now I'm like, check out my legs. There's awesome <laughs> on them. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. So you also started a podcast in 2018 called Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast, which is how I connected with you. Can you tell us a little bit about what your podcast is about and what actually prompted you to start it? Well, I listen to a lot of podcasts personally. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, I developed tinnitus and I learned one of the great ways to manage it was always have something going on in the background. So podcasts were one of the main things that I just happened to have on through quite a bit of my day. And I really wished that there was one for roller derby that talked about the things that I was most interested in. I wanted Mm -hmm. to hear about mental game and mindset and training and I just thought like someone should be doing this and I kept hoping someone would. And then my husband asked, why don't you do it? You actually know a lot of stuff. And I said, oh, I don't know enough stuff. No one wants to hear from me. And he worked on me for a while. And eventually I was like, oh, I guess I do know a few things. And I I just went for it. And the response was overwhelming to me. And the amount of people who felt the way I did that really just wanted some solid advice, some encouragement, knowing that they weren't alone having some of the same challenges that I've gone through. And Mm. it's been a nice way to connect with the roller derby community. That's awesome. And and I have to say, listeners, that even though you might not be in roller derby right now, I started listening to this podcast and I felt like a lot of it applied to my own life and my own situations, especially where there were things that kind of applied to everyone. So I definitely recommend checking it out, even if you're not into roller derby yet. What what would you say has been the most rewarding aspect of getting into podcasting? Well, uh, first off, I want to say I, I really love that you enjoy the podcast, even not being a skater yourself, because mm. I do try to have a podcast that makes us better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. And so we get into a lot of life stuff. Yeah. And so the rewarding aspect of podcasting for me has been on the one side cathartic because I feel like I've worked out a lot of the things I've learned and talking about them has cemented them a lot more in my mind because one of the best ways you learn is kind of by teaching too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just the community connection. I love when someone reaches out and says, hey, this episode helped me so much because then every minute I put into this just feels so much more worth it when I know I've helped out a little Jackie Bauer out there, which is kind of how I think of people sometimes. <laughs> There's <laughs> nice. a me out there who's going through some stuff and I just want to help them. <laughs> you know, somebody's going to end up with that as their roller derby name, baby Jackie Bauer or little Jackie Bauer. Oh, I hope not. I want everyone to be themselves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. What habits 
do you feel that you have that have helped you to continue competing in roller derby? I think one of the things that has kept me in the sport so long is being stubborn Mm. (laughs) (laughs) or um, devoted to the sport. (laughs) Um, Regular off-skates training has kept me pretty healthy for the most part. And I'm just so darn determined (laughs) with my goals. It it just keeps me going. And just a kind of side note there, is there any particular type of training that you tend to gravitate towards for off-skates like CrossFit or anything else like that? Well, I can't afford CrossFit, but I sure (laughs) have put a lot of stuff in my garage that I treat like a gym. Mm, I've I've got an off-brand TRX. I've got wall balls and kettlebells and I don't know, all the little fun boot camp stuff you could want. I probably have picked it up. And I like that because it adds a lot of variety to training. Mm. If you're only doing dumbbells all the time, I think you're going to be missing out on some stuff with balance. And so it's it's really fun to train in different ways. I used to just focus on running quite a bit. But while that helped my cardio, Mm -hmm. I think that high intensity interval training is the best way to train for roller derby as far as you're playing a sport where it's go rest, go rest over and over and over again. And you have to be ready for your heart rate to take that. And then the other component is you absolutely need to have a really good strength training regimen so that you can be balanced and you can be strong and powerful and prevent injuries. And then the last part, which sometimes I have been known to neglect, but I am working at getting a lot better at is stretching Mm, (laughs) again for injury prevention. (laughs) Right. Yeah. What do you feel that you would have missed out on if you hadn't started playing roller derby in the first place? Well, since I have a job that has me work at home, Mm -hmm. I didn't have much of a social circle before starting roller derby. Mm. And now I feel like almost everyone I know is involved in roller derby. Oh, wow. That I'm not related to. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it, it unlocks this huge community of people. And especially with the way things are now, I think I would be feeling pretty lonely if I hadn't started out in roller derby and met all these amazing people along the way because it just gives you a, a sense of connection and they're pretty great people. Yeah. And with everything with COVID, are you still able to like connect and communicate with your teammates or I'm assuming you probably can't practice right now? We cannot practice right now. And I'm mostly communicating with people one-on-one through Mm. text message or occasionally getting together for a little socially distanced visit. (laughs) Nice. What advice would you give to listeners who are interested in getting into roller derby? Well, it's a little challenging to start getting into roller derby right now because chances are wherever you are, they might not be practicing yet. Mm. But I would definitely Google and find out about your local league and just check in with them and ask to be put on a list for when things get started so Mm. that you'll know exactly when you can get involved and get a pair of roller skates and just start having some fun. I actually have a YouTube channel too. You can look up Power Through the Fourth Whistle and find it. And I have a lot of like how to skate videos for some basic skills. Oh, cool. And just have a good time and get started. And then when you do join Roller Derby, they'll be like, how do you know this? And you can you can give me a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> so so now we, we've, we know your YouTube channel. Where else can listeners find you online? Well, you can find the podcast on any podcast platform by searching for Power Through the Fourth Whistle. I'm also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter at Power Fourth Whistle. And I also have a Twitch channel called Jackie Bauer TV, which is a little bit on a hiatus right now, but I will be starting up again soon. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Gina. Thank you for inviting me. It was so fun. I love that Gina said that the only thing she knew about roller derby before getting into it was from that movie Whip It, because that is seriously all I knew about it as well before scheduling Gina for this interview. It was really great to hear what Gina's experience was like of getting into the sport and how it made her more confident in her own body. And I don't know about you guys, but after interviewing Gina, I am definitely waiting for her to write a book called Punch the Shark, Life Lessons About Roller Derby, or like something like that. Um, I would totally buy that and read it. Just saying, Gina. <laughs> Actually, I think that it's a really great phrase, and we would really all benefit from using it in our own lives. You don't have to be a roller derby skater to punch the shark, so to speak. As Gina described it, it's about facing that fear and just letting the fear roll off you. For her, it was worrying about the other players and getting stressed out about the outcome of the game. For me, punching the shark is facing that fear of how potential guests will respond when I ask them to be on the show. I just have to punch the shark, right? I just have to write the damn email and send it. I can't control how those potential guests will respond. All I can control is how I actually ask them and that I actually do it, that I send that request. And if you're looking for like a little reminder to be brave and punch the shark, definitely check out Power Through the Fourth Whistles store. They have really cool punch the shark t-shirts and face masks and like all kinds of other swag, which I just think is really cool. I've dropped the link for their store in the show notes so that you can check them out. The other thing that really jumped out at me during the interview with Gina was when she talked about how much body confidence that she gained from roller derby. Not just like showing off her tattoos, but that she really began to appreciate her body for what it could actually do for her. This is definitely something I've heard from other guests whose hobbies or careers have involved, you know, some sort of physical aspect. That means that they have to actually pay more attention to their bodies because their body is one of the tools that they use to get their job done. But really, I feel like we all need to be taking more care of our bodies because we kind of need them, right? Like we need them to be able to do anything. So that's one of the reasons I'm trying to incorporate more running into my daily routine or periodically getting up from writing or editing audio at my desk and doing something that requires physical labor. I'm also working on drinking more water. And I guess eating more healthily, though, I'm really not very good at that. I kind of suck at that. But I definitely feel better when I have more than just a quick bowl of cereal for dinner. So it's something I need to work on. You don't necessarily have to treat your body like a temple, okay? That's not necessarily what I'm saying here, though it's not a terrible idea. But, you know, just maybe give your body a break and make sure that it's getting the love that it needs to kind of keep functioning for you. Weirdly, I think that seeing my body as a tool that I need to actually maintain has helped me to get a better grip on working to actually take care of it. And like Gina, the more that you put into taking care of your body, the more likely you are to be proud of your body. And there's nothing wrong with that. So ladies, what are you doing to take care of your body today? I'd love to hear from you. Tweet me at GFO Podcast and let me know. Let me know what you're doing to make your body more like a temple. Or you can also let me know what it is that you need to do to punch the shark, right? What is it that you're working on to have less fear around? Or let me know how are you punching the shark? What are you doing to get through that fear? All right, that is it for today's show. I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. I know that I enjoyed interviewing Gina, so it was super fun. And I really hope that it helps you to keep pushing through to follow your dreams and go find out. Join me next week when I interview creative entrepreneur and CEO Gigi Mortimer about her experience of stepping away from accessory design to pursue her passion project of creating iJust blue light blocking products. Until then, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own Go Find Out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. 
You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at GFO Podcast or follow me on Instagram at Go Find Out Podcast. That's it for today. Now go find out. <laughs>